Hello and welcome back to Thrive in the New World, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I'll be your host, Sarah Travers, and today we are continuing our discussion with local business owners and entrepreneurs about growth and, importantly, how they are adapting in today's world. So remember to keep an eye out for Thrive in the New World on your favourite podcast app and subscribe to stay up to date with future episodes. Today, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Peter McCall, CEO of Pearly. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, sir. Pleasure to be here. So let me tell people a little bit about Pearly and then we will begin our interview. So Pearly is a retail analytics company. Its core proposition is a smart key fob designed to enhance the shopping experience, drive footfall for shopping centre retailers and offering VIP rewards and discounts for shoppers. Using the smart key fob, shoppers can take advantage of all year-round discounts and offers from their favourite retailers. The service is fully personalised to each unique shopper and loyalty is rewarded with VIP discounts sent directly to in-centre users via a text. For retailers and centre management, the technology offers valuable insight and data into the retail experience and opportunity to engage more effectively with their customers. Trading now for two years, this innovative startup has raised a million pounds in investment and its technology has been adopted by shopping centres across Northern Ireland and now in Europe. So Peter, that is it in a nutshell, I suppose, but I'm curious to know how you've coped with lockdown. Yeah, I've, I've rather strangely enjoyed lockdown, to be fair, uh, my wife has got me to do a lot of DIY jobs around the house and yeah, it's been great being at home with the kids and yeah, giving us time to think. Yeah, I've loved it. Yeah, uh, and you probably hadn't had that time before. No, no, just it's the last 10 years it's been go, 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 go from one thing to the next. So just to have three months with the pressure mm. off where you're not reaching another milestone or trying to get more customers on board. So yeah, absolutely loved it. Obviously, it's been dire circumstances that has come about, but yeah, we've, we've made the most of a bad situation. So everybody has been adapting, finding out a little more about themselves, yeah. time for a little bit of uh, self-reflection. Would you be doing anything differently going forward now as a result? Yeah, no, I, I think I have maybe learned how to switch off more so than I have before because as as most people know their own business it's, it's hard to come home switch off as soon as you come in through the door and just get into family life whereas now I found it a lot, a lot easier and I found it it gives you a lot more concentration when you are working when you, when you know you have to switch off when you come home it's, uh, it's just you have to enjoy both elements of your life. You have to have the balance, right? Absolutely. Well, let's um, look at your entrepreneurial uh, journey now and uh, talking a bit more about Pearly. We heard what it was, all the retail analytics that you provide for uh, retailers, for shopping centres and indeed to improve the consumer experience. But how did it all come about then? How did you start? I think it's important to maybe start with the, the way I actually started the business. So uh, just over 10 years ago, my wife and I were having our second child, uh, Daisy, uh, who's an inspiration. But uh, 
we were informed at the three month scan that there was some uh, there was going to be some life challenges ahead of us. So I, I realized then that I was going to have to give myself and my wife the freedom to attend operations, which has turned out to be lots of them, and to have the financial freedom. So that was the way in how I got into starting my own business was to give my family the best uh, the best possible opportunity in life. The how was, I started, I suppose like a lot of startup companies, uh, we started as one product and now 10 years down the line we're a completely different product. But my background is actually hospitality. I used to own bars and restaurants. Uh, I used to own the Brass Muggy in Newry. And uh, so the first concept of how I started this out was a restaurant, a sales promotional type business. It didn't work. I'm not going into it in much detail. It didn't work, but for a very simple reason, we couldn't get the staff to bring out the iPad. So then we get on to the Invest NA Propel program through who Michael McQuillan, who was the founder of the Street Cafe franchise, became my mentor as such and quickly uh, identified that what we were doing would be great in shopping centres. Mm-hmm. And to take out the human element, we developed the software to would use on touchscreen kiosks so we wouldn't need staff to carry an iPad. And the, the basic concept of that was for your chance to win an iPad, fill in your details here, and uh, you may win a free coffee at a cost or 10% off index and so on. And we then realized that I first got wind of GDPR about five years ago and realized that that model of business wouldn't work. So hence, Perlay got born then. And the reason we started Perlay was all about GDPR compliance and uh, keeping our consumers' data uh, privacy top of our priorities that's a big big issue for people and i think consumers are so much more savvy than they were before now perlay in case you're wondering how to spell that it's p-e-a-r-l-a-i where did you get the name from it's actually the irish word for pearls and Mm. we provide our our customers with pearls of wisdom as such Ah, okay Uh, so peter talk me through the actual customer journey i am imagining i'm a customer i've just arrived at my local shopping center the Buttercream in Newry, for example, although other shopping centres are available. How do I get involved and how do I use my key fob that's on my car key ring? Yeah, so it's very, very simple. So I arrive in the Buttercream, I see the promotional material around the, throughout the shopping centre for why to become a VIP because you get all year around discount in hundreds of stores and the benefits you've already mentioned. So you can simply go to the Buttercream's website or perlay.com register through your phone or through the tablet in the shopping centre and select the shops that you would like to receive messages from when you're walking through the centre. And as I mentioned earlier, the whole reason we started this company was GDPR uh, compliance. So the, the shopper, the consumer, the end user has complete control over who they receive messages from, how many messages they get per visit and how often they receive messages. So most people always say, oh, so when I walk into the buttercream, I'm going to get lots of messages. So on average, you would get three text messages on one every seven minutes. And again, if somebody's sending rubbish messages, you can simply switch them off. So the, the shopper controls everything. Uh, we don't share the data with anyone outside the shopping center. So we, the data uh, belongs to the consumer and they can update their own data. They can delete their data. At, we make it very, very user friendly. And it's all about the shopper at the end of the day, which is, is the core of retail. Well, that reassurance message is very, very important, especially around data protection. So that's the benefits for the shopper. And we'll delve a little more in a while. But what then does Perley offer the shopping centre management then and, and their tenants? I think that the easiest way to describe what Perley actually does is to compare it with the, the likes of online retail, so Google Analytics and Google AdWords. So if we 
take in comparison a website and to a physical shopping centre site. So what Parley does is, is the same as online, only better. So we identify a retailer and a shopping centre's customers personally as soon as they arrive. We monitor their movements. We know how long they spend there. But we do all this here to provide each individual shopper with a personalised shopping experience. So we give the retailers the data on their customers. And ultimately, if you don't know who your customers are, you're going the wrong direction. So we enable our retailers and our customers to know who their customers are, which in turn enables them to attract more like-minded customers and grow loyalty and grow customer base and so on and so on. And we also give them the ability to engage with those customers while they're in their store. So it's not like sending random emails when you're sitting in the house in the sofa. You're more likely to react to a message that you get from a shop that you say that you want to receive a message from. And then, therefore, you're going to go into that shop when it's only around the corner. So I think an important stat for us to say is, so from the retailer's point of view, when we started this company, we were aiming for a 5% conversion rate. And a conversion being we send somebody a message and they then enter the store. And we based that on a good online conversion being two and a half. So we thought if we can double that there, we'd be doing very well. So we currently average 27% conversion rate, which is absolutely huge in the retail world. But as I mentioned, it just makes perfect sense. I, as a consumer, are getting a message from a shop that I say that I want to get a message from. And that shop is either in front of me or around the corner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just makes, it's just everything we do is so simple. Um, we're well aware too of the of the struggles of, of the retail sector. Um, you know, the the high street shopping centres have been through a very difficult time, and that and that was pre um, the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Is an offer or a, a reward enough to build brand loyalty with a customer? I mean, what advice would you give to retailers to, I suppose, improve on the whole customer experience? Every little bit helps, but at the core of retail, in my opinion, retail isn't that hard, and I think it's all about the customer. If you concentrate on the customer and provide that customer experience, and it's as simple, I mentioned earlier in the in, in this interview that my background is hospitality, and I used to drum it into my our, our staff or our team at the time, get to know the person's name. If you know that person's name and you you know that you mention their name as soon as they come in, they'll feel welcomed and they'll feel like this is you care about them. And it's the same thing in retail. If you if you can greet somebody personally, whether it be digitally through an SMS or well, literally in person, saying, hey, sir, welcome back and so on, it just makes people feel so much special. And customer service, especially in this day and age now, uh, is so vitally important along with all the obvious now of making it safe and secure and easy to access. And I suppose this will roll into well into our next Pearly Patek thing, but it's all about providing customer service, making people feel safe and secure and making it easy for them to visit your store at this day and age. And I suppose that's why the independent retailers and those that aren't the big chains have really you know, invested heavily in this customer experience, but you're saying the bigger retailers could do the same. Have you seen any great examples of of how you can entice shoppers and bring them back in and make them feel that they are special? It's still a very nervous time for retailers with many of them just just happy to get their doors open and uh, manage the situation as best they can and react as quickly as they can. But I think that the best example I've seen so far, I was on a call there last week, with a lady that owned a, a, fran- a restaurant franchise. And she was telling us about uh, how she took all her staff in and give them training 
on every element. And I thought it was just going above and beyond. It was how to react to customers who, who have maybe said to your staff that I don't like how close that person is or I don't like how cleanly your toilet facilities are or even, look, I don't like the way you're wearing a mask when you're talking questions to me. And these are just they're things that staff need to know how to react to before they're actually going back into the position. So I think retailers just need to think of every element for the staff as well as their customers to make everybody feel safe and secure. And that's true. I mean, each customer is different. Some will be very risk averse about going out and others are just can't wait to get back in and shopping again. But it's being able to adapt your customer service to suit the particular needs of the customer. Yeah, and even predict what sort of questions you may react as you mentioned look everybody's different and everybody's going to have different perspectives so it's just trying to think of every single question that your staff will will encounter and is this something that you're working with i suppose these these bricks and mortar retailers to get back into business is that what you're doing now yeah yeah so that's so we've just launched parallel protect on the on the back of the whole covid19 thing and we got it actually through our participation uh, through Ulster Bank. We have one-to-one sessions with a, a mentor as such every month. Uh, this came about of how can we help during this time. And, and it was a very natural thing. So we, we provide a VIP experience. And we, then we were deciding, where else do you get a VIP experience? We're thinking, so you get it when you're lining up for a queue in the airport, you can get priority boarding. Or if you go to Disneyland, you can get speedy pass. And we're going, but look, we can do that too. So for our VIPs, we developed a a queuing system so literally you go to one of our participating centers you select which shops that you want to visit you select the time that suits you and then you just rock up and instead of like Primark for a good example queues around the block so if you select the time that suits you you walk straight past the queue no need for wasted journey so a lot of the time I know my wife has experienced this that everybody's experienced it you leave the house you get to wherever you want to go and there's a big massive queue and you're like I'm not standing there all day Whereas with our system, you've booked it, you just walk straight past the queue and on in. And from the retailer's point of view, we think this is a huge, huge opportunity for retailers because if you know that you can safely serve, let's say, 200 people per hour uh, through four 15-minute slots, well, then all you have to do is fill the booking slots that you have in front of you. And for the, and if you have the data in front of you that you know that, let's say, between one and two is your busiest times and you might get a crowd first thing in the morning and stuff like that, when you can run promotions during your quieter times and so on. But it, it enables you to keep your staff safe too because if you know that you're going to be busy on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, then you can manage the amount of staff that you need. So not only is it keep making it very accessible for your customers to visit your store and keeping their health and well-being top of, top of your priority list. It's also keeping your staff's health and well-being top of your priority list too. And we think this is a huge opportunity for, for retailers to grasp on. Look, you, you book online for many, many other things. So retail is just prime for uh, something like this. Obviously, um, many businesses now are having to adapt and, and pivot and I suppose Perlay Protect was a natural fit for you. And this transition then to, I suppose, crowd management or control and this customer booking system, it was just a natural extension of what you were doing anyway. Yeah, 100%. As I mentioned, just being the VIP experience, so this just an added sort of feature. We also built it in a... a a cloud-based counting system. So again, government guidelines, and uh, you have to ensure you have only a certain amount of people in the store. And also, we have a cloud-based counting system where the staff at the door just simply use their mobile and we set alerts when they reach capacity so to tell them not to allow any more people in. So we have, we've 
It's been a very natural pivot, but a very, very, very beneficial pivot. You know, that's a very organised shopping experience. I'm thinking of myself yeah. and shopping and how easily I can get distracted by something in a window. Does that allow for a spontaneous shopping experience as well? Yeah. So let's say, for example, you're allowed 100 shoppers in in an hour. Like, so we, we would we would recommend to our retailers that you only allow 80 people book through the, the booking system. And then you have a 20 percent buffer for people who have walked in or people who aren't VIPs or for the like likes me. of yourself yes <laughs> i'll have to get more organized definitely and what has the response been then to pearly protect when you're going out there and, and you're pitching this to to the shopping centers they're maybe already your clients or is it opening doors to new clients as well so before we did anything before we we had written a line of code we, we asked we have fifteen thousand vips so we asked them what the experience what they would like from the experience would you actually use it how would you use it and all that so before we developed it we we asked our users and it was like it was, it was 80 percent say they would use an online booking system and uh so it was, it was overwhelmingly positive but so then we've went to the retailer so now we have existing shopping centers who are using it but as I mentioned earlier, we're at that nervous period where retailers at the minute just wanted it to get open. So it's only in the next few weeks that we'll be rolling it out throughout our retailers. But it has opened additional doors. I went to I went to my first appointment in Dublin last week, and I like everybody was was quite nervous being in a location with random strangers who actually weren't that as concerned as I was. And uh, yeah, it, it, shopping is definitely strange. Uh, uh, Going to be we're in a new world. So I think retailers need to adapt more than ever. It's just, it's just not going to be the same again. But sometimes they don't know how to adapt. And yeah. this is this is a solution that you're providing for them. I mean, just look at how, um, can you maybe talk a little bit about the change that we're seeing in, in selling? And um, would you say we're moving towards selling as a science, perhaps using digital touch points and building these consumer behavior profiles to promote products and services? I think we are. I think it's a, a mix of what I mentioned earlier about good customer service because bottom line, if you have bad experience within any retailer, you'll not go back. So it, the building blocks, the foundations of any good retailer is obviously good customer service, but data is the core of everything. If retailer, if you're a retailer in today's world, if you're any business in today's world and you're not using data to make decisions, Everybody subconsciously uses data, like, do I drink tea or coffee? I drink coffee because I like coffee, because I remember I didn't like tea. But even now, from within retailers, if you don't know how many people, if you don't know who your cost, the demographics of your customers, how do you attract more like-minded customers? If you don't know how many people are visiting your store at an individual time or an individual day, how do you know when you need to attract more customers? If you don't know what your customers are buying, how do you know which stock to buy? Or how do you know what? to promote all about data and if you're not using data in today's world you're you're not going to exist in one two three years time so if anybody is listening to this now and and they they haven't you know adapted and they're not using data it is really do or die yes well shadow of a doubt and, and on the back of that like we've been quite uh we've worked very hard on it to, to have a, a a substantial customer base here and in, in, in portugal and and on the back of that we we truly want to help the hand that feeds us and through with this Perlay Protect and, and the, the Perlay systems, we honestly, no holds barred, are willing to provide our services for the next three months at least, free of charge. So mm. uh, retailers need to get on board with with having data. That's uh, an incredible offer. 
yeah, three months. Of, Wonderful. Yeah, let us have it out. Yeah, brilliant. And then obviously realizing then that the retailers realizing how they can use this data to convert sales, you're able to show the evidence if, if you you know of how this really will benefit your business. Yeah, let it out. Like I mentioned, one of the stats are we have a twenty seven percent conversion rate. But I think one of the things that we we haven't touched on is why we have been down the route of actually giving a fob out instead. Because the first thing anybody ever asks us, why did you not make this an app? Yeah. And there's a very, very simple reason why this, and I'll not dwell on it, but and the very simple reason is that people simply do not use apps while they're actually physically shopping. And I'll use my wife here as the prime example, but I'm sure most people are the same. You don't walk into Next and open up an app, or you don't walk into the buttercream and open up or up you don't walk into whatever miss savage or quiz or whatever you people go shopping for two reasons because they have a purpose either they have to buy groceries they have they want to buy something for quite for the weekend or they, they want to buy a present or something like that, or they want to relax you wouldn't ask somebody to read a book blindfolded so why would you ask people to use an app while they're actually shopping Good i'm point. sure like yourself when you go shopping it's the last thing you want to do you want to be interrupted you just want to browse and relax and just just, it's just, it's not natural for people to use apps. So we use a fob because most of our users stick it on a key ring and stick it in their bottom of their handbag. And as if by magic, when they're walking, they, they get messages from people that they say. And again, we send text messages because we have a 99% open rate. Well, obviously, you know, Perlay has, as you said at the start, transformed really in the 10 years. You have adapted and pivoted now with Perlay Protect. You've clearly identified that opportunity to adapt and make your offering even more relevant and responsive to the issues that we're facing in today's new normal, new world, whatever we call it. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who are having to adapt at this time? Yeah, I think it's it's very important to not adapt just for the sake of adapting. Like, uh, Because if I'm being honest, we didn't pivot quite early in the whole COVID thing. It was, it was actually about a month in after it. And as I mentioned earlier, it was through our one-to-one sessions with Jill in the Ulster Bank. And it was after sitting and chatting it out and talking about it. And we realized that, yes, there is an opportunity here. And and if you, you identify an opportunity for a pivot that can help, especially during these challenging times, it's worthwhile running it by as many other people as possible before going headlong in. So I, I discussed it with Jill and then we discussed it with the whole team and then I rang all our existing clients and then I called. Then we asked our, our 15,000 VIPs and then we then we made the decision to plunge and we went head in and look, we had the product developed within two weeks. Uh, but yes... It's important to do that research too. So there is help out there if you if you don't know where how to pivot or how to adapt. That uh, Jill is she your business mentor? Yes, through through the Ulster Bank Accelerator, which it's, I haven't really touched on much. Like, no. but the Ulster Bank Accelerator has been has been brilliant for us throughout our years. We were one of the first companies on it here in Northern Ireland four years ago, and back then we thought we had a business, but we hadn't really. And uh, so they'd given us all the help and support to get us to actually getting us live, which took a lot longer than what we thought. But now we're uh, a more established business with the customer base and we've obviously proven our market. Uh, I find it very, very helpful to have that one-to-one mentoring sessions, even if it's just to release some steam because it's it's often very uh, challenging when you're the one sort of directing the whole company from so many different levels. I often say it's a shoulder to cry on and get just sort of that honest feedback that we are going in the right direction and just from a no-holds-barred, non-best point of view and like the Ulster Bank Accelerator 
it literally only is there to help you do to make sure you you do better. And I would definitely recommend it to anyone. And what do you think was the most important revelation or insight or piece of advice you received? It's, it's very easy to say this, and it's actually only in the last six months that I've realised this here, but it's, it's to be yourself. From my own personal point of view, like my, my background was hospitality, and then I got into technology, and for the last 10 years I've been in technology and developing software, and it's been strange, and it's tucked until the last six, uh, taken until the last six months for me to realise that I am an expert in this field. I do know what I'm talking about. I, have, I actually know more than, than that I've, what I've given myself credit for, but it goes back to the 10,000 hours to become an expert sort of thing. And, and it is it's to be yourself. Yes, you will make mistakes. And I know I've went to many, many appointments here in Northern Ireland and made a fool of myself and maybe come out of them and people have said, who is that agent in there? But it, but it, takes, it takes making mistakes to become the person you are, to gain the confidence sort of thing. And how did you come to be part of the Ulster Bank Entrepreneur Accelerator Programme? So I think I've seen it advertised, like it was just about four and a half years ago, and this is when we had pivoted from the previous business, and it was the ideal time for us. And as I say, there, there's nothing to lose. There's no equity to give away. The, the, you get free office space, free connections, free advice, I, there's there's nothing to lose and everything to gain through it so I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Uh, sounds like it's been hugely important in allowing you to grow as well. Yes, definitely like business ways and personally ways so business ways, business ways is just having somebody there to bounce ideas off and just to keep you going and focus in the right direction on growth, 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 personal ways to have somebody to, to have a shoulder to cry on and again just bounce ideas off and and hopefully have those eureka moments as well when you think that's it that's what i need to do yeah 100 percent. you talked about those mistakes and those occasions that maybe people questioned what you were doing but looking back over your journey so far peter what would you do differently nothing uh because you wouldn't be here if i did anything different yeah. and i and i think obviously i would try not to make as many mistakes but it's the mistakes that make you and uh and i mentioned that we we're talking off uh, offer earlier that we've just signed a deal with a five billion tur- uh, turnover company Sony Sierra and it took 18 months of due diligence it gives us confidence that a company of that size a world leading company of that size is confident in using what we do thus we've got to that stage now where we're dealing with the, those size companies we're doing something right so that's yeah. incredible so up until this point you've been primarily in Northern Ireland yeah this is your big breakthrough into Europe. So yeah. it's a Portuguese company. What do they own? How many shopping centres do they have? What do they do? Yeah, so they're actually a worldwide company. They're a Portuguese-based company, but they own the, the Continental supermarket. They own the Portuguese phone network. They have 5 billion turnover. They have 35 shopping centres. And they have introduced us to their partners in Brazil who are pitching us to 500 stores at Carrefour stores wow. in Brazil. And yeah, it's, it's been... It's, but Northern Ireland has been brilliant and a lot of companies will tell you this, that Northern Ireland is a perfect place to launch a product because it's such a micro ecosystem and if you can make it work here, you can make it work anywhere. Like we also have a shopping centre in Letterkenny, but yes, uh, this has been a bit of a major break for us now and it puts us on the world stage essentially. Uh, are you kind of pinching yourself that it's actually happened? Yes and no, because it's took 18 months of due diligence. We're like, yeah, we finally got there. But yes, like I literally have a call today at five o'clock to arrange flights to go over and get the, the launch sorted now in the next 
few weeks. But when you say uh, due diligence, what do you mean? If anybody's listening to this and they think, how do I get that breakthrough, like Peter? Yeah, so like it, initially we met them at a big shopping center conference in in Cannes about eighteen, about nineteen months ago. So that was the initial contact, and then. They liked what we did, and that, as I say, they're world-leading innovative shopping centre company, and they've tried everything in the past, the apps, the beacons, the Wi-Fi technology. So they loved what we do because it's different and it's highly effective. And then they came over here and visited our sites, and then we went over to Portugal and visited them. And then it got down to the nitty-gritty, so they've seen what, what we do actually works, so it works very well. So then I got down into the contract and then it was their, their world leader in GDPR compliance and I think it was one of the reasons they, they liked what we did because we've mentioned GDPR earlier. And then going, like the, like the contract was, I think it was 32 pages long and most of it was GDPR related and we had to meet, we had to get ISO 27001 regulated and stuff like that there. It has put manners in us and it has made us a far more professional and our company and it's made our processes far more stringent and it's given us the confidence that we can deal with five billion pound turnover companies. And how do you scale up? How do you build the capacity and capability to deliver? I mean, how many people do you have on the books now? Where do you produce Perlay and and what do you need to do now to, to meet this challenge? Yeah, because we've been four or five years in the making, essentially, we have like we have partners in in California, we have partners in Brazil, we have partners in UAE, we have partners in South Africa, we have partners in Australia, and we have partners in the, in the UK and here in Ireland. So we've built up a great partner network who are all leading experts within the shopping centre and retail world. So up until now, our, always our first biggest challenge was getting our first five customers here in Ireland because the shopping centre world have been stung by apps, by uh, beacons and Wi-Fi tracking in the past. And here we are coming along with a, a smart key fob who sent texts. Are you mad? And so it took the first five centres that we had on board for people to realise, right, this thing works. And obviously 15,000, we are growing daily with people registering for this. It took us four or five years to get there, but now that we're here, we've built the structure in the background for us to enable us to scale quite quickly. That is absolutely incredible. How exciting and incredible. I suppose if you go back a few months at the start of lockdown, you what were the fears at the time? No, it, well, it was, especially at the very start, we are going like, what? Because our revenue just dropped yeah. because every one of our clients closed. closed. Uh, we are going, what's going to go on here? But as I mentioned at the start, it gave us that breathing space. And for the last four years, we've been just racing, racing from one milestone, from one feature development, from one new client. From And uh, for the last three, four months, we've had that breathing space that let's sit back. And it has given us focus because maybe a year, two years ago, while we have the structure in place to scale internationally, our focus now for the next 12 to 18 months is Ireland, UK and Portugal. That's it. If we get any more distractions, we let our partners deal with, deal with them. But for us, it's our existing customers, the customer, the, the pipeline we had in our pipeline before lockdown and just the Portuguese. So we'll just concentrate on what we have in front of us and any new business comes along. Look, we'll deal with it, but we're not chasing new business, which is a nice position to be in. Absolutely. It's an incredible success story. And I suppose, you know, just the lessons that you've learned and how you've adapted professionally yourself. You talked about moving from hospitality into the tech world. 
there are so many tech startups now in Northern Ireland. Uh, what lessons could you pass on to somebody who's listening to this now going, if only, you know, I believe that could be me. I'll go back to even my first day on the on the Ulster Bank Accelerator, the guy who was the CEO at the time, and I remember him, I, I was standing away at the back, there was 150 people or 200 people in a small room, and he's going, you need to immerse yourself in it. And like, I had been at it five years before that in different formats and the other uh, companies I mentioned at the start. And if I'm being honest, and my wife will, will agree with this here, I maybe took it too literally to heart where I'd say for two, three years, all I focused on was, almost was Perlay. And it was detrimental to my family, if I'm being honest. In hindsight, it, it took it. it. It took me to be 100% focused. Like I was literally getting up in the morning, I was going to bed, I was sleeping, dreaming, everything. <laughs> Perlay. But I think it took it to get there. And God bless my wife. My wife, eventually, it was, it was, I always said it was like that moment in Lord of the Rings when I can't remember one of them. He was under somebody's control and his eyes finally, the clouds lifted. And I had my wife go, look, all you think about is work. You need it. You have a family here too. But I took, I think it took the two or three years of being totally, totally driven and focused to get there. And ultimately that was two or three years on top of the five years I had done and the other two pivots before that. So the, the one core thing is resilience. Resilience is, is without a doubt. And again, business is full of cliches. Don't listen to the naysayers and keep going and all that there. But they're cliches for a reason. You know, believe in yourself, keep going and forget about everybody else. Everybody's talking about resilience. Yeah. What is resilience and how do you build it? And I think, again, ultimately it comes down to self-belief and self uh, belief in in what you're doing, maybe not self belief, because I think every entrepreneur will. Tell, that's the first time I've ever mentioned myself as being an entrepreneur. I wouldn't say it yet, but uh, <laughs> sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, but ultimately, I think it's believing in the product, in the company, what you're building, and the end goal. And then I think it in turn builds confidence in yourself, and confidence is key to it. Like my wife always says, like. If your head gets any bigger, I'll get through that door. But I think <laughs> a lot of people put confidence on because people don't buy from people who aren't confident. You have to be confident in what you're doing and what you're selling and the vision you're giving to your customers and to your end users. And yes, I think it's a level of bravado, confidence, experience, but you can only gain confidence with experience. And I, and I think that's where the 10,000 hours comes into. So even though you're selling a tech product, you know, people still want to buy from the person. Is that what you're saying? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that's where I've maybe failed in the past because I hadn't had the self-confidence because I was, I was coming from a hospitality background into a tech world, into a retail sector. Although there's not that much difference between retail and hospitality because ultimately it's all about customer service. But again, I felt like a stranger in a new world. And now that I've spent the last 10 years within retail and technology, I have the confidence to say, look, I know what I'm talking about here. I have the experience and I know that. And one thing I've learned, especially over during this COVID thing, is that a lot of the major blue chip retailers, while they're, they're leaders and everything, they often come up with some daft ideas. And I think it's because they have such a high executive corporate thing where they often need think that it has to be the next shiny thing it needs to be ar virtual reality or it needs a artificial intelligence or machine learning and and by doing that they forgot about the one thing which i've repeated numerous times through the customer the customer just wants to be served politely and have excellent customer service get good value and know that they're being appreciated 
like AR and VR and machine learning and all might be great when you're shopping in Gucci, but when you're going to Tesco's for your shopping, yeah. you just you just want to know that you're appreciated and they're getting good value. And those uh, skills you got during your training in hospitality have yeah. stood you in good stead and and are opening yeah. those doors in Europe for you now. Yeah, and it's just having the confidence to tell people that look, you don't have to go for the shiny thing. Just think about what the customer is, not what you like. It's what the customer. That's what the customer will appreciate. Do you think in Northern Ireland we do have, I've heard it said before, that feeling of imposter syndrome when we're competing now on a European stage or going you know, farther afield? Do you feel that there's that yeah. culture of um, who does your fella think he is? <laughs> yes, well, we carry that with us. Yeah, definitely. I think it's an all-Ireland thing. Like it definitely. Yeah. But when we do get there, we have, we have the confidence uh, to give our opinions across, but I think it's, it's not the lack of confidence. It's it's the fear of people thinking, who's your man? And you ultimately haven't changed the person you are. You've still got yeah. those same values. You've still got the, those same ambitions. Your family is still at the heart of everything you do. Yeah. And that's really important as well, not to lose that. Family's ultimately what it's all about, you know what I mean? But if you can... And look, if it's, I always say this too, if everything's not all right in the house, you can't do anything else. You know what I mean? Like, it, like my wife and I would argue the odd time, like every family, like, and, and you know you're just not concentrating on work if everything's not right in the house. So the, the foundations of everything comes from family. But, uh, so Pearlie came out of necessity in terms of you being able to provide for your family. You mentioned little Daisy and her challenges at um, when she was born. She's presumably... 10 years old now. How's yeah, she doing? 10 years old, a award-winning gymnast, teaching me and her mummy new things every day, and she's, she's an inspiration, inspiration. Okay. As long as my other daughter, Lily, who I have to mention, <laughs> got straight A's and A-stars yesterday in her school report. Ooh, which we're right, delighted. so two yeah. high flyers. Yeah, um, we're, we're very lucky. And you're very proud of them too. Peter, it has been so lovely to have you on the podcast today. Um I know you've talked about how you're going to focus now on the customers that you have, this new fantastic opportunity in Portugal. Um, but if anybody is interested in finding out more about Pearly, what should they do? Yeah, well, you can go to our, our website at business.pearly.com or follow us on Twitter at Pearly Limited or, or contact me even through anyone through the Ulster Bank or you can get my contact details on the website. But I urge any retailers now during this challenging time, look at the first few weeks over here, you've realised what the future's going to hold. It's going to be like this for the foreseeable future. You need to act now. And look, we honestly, hand on heart, are here to help uh, because we have a solution that can help and is, is very much needed in these day, this time. So, yeah, by all means, reach out to us. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today, Peter. Safe retailing that's rewarded what's not to like. And... You know, that summary of, of advice there from Peter is always to be yourself and believe in yourself. That has been episode two of Thrive in the New World, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Ulster Bank. I've been your host, Sarah Travers, and I'd love if you could join me again next week when I'll be speaking to the team behind independent food and coffee shop chain Bob and Burt's to learn more about how the business has grown from one store on the North Coast in 2013 to the beloved brand it is today. We'll also learn about how the company is adapting through these unique times to continue to satisfy our coffee cravings. See you soon. <laughs>